someone says I've got five minutes, I'm going to take 10, maybe 15. I hope that's okay. Um, um, I've got something I think I just want to share with you th this morning, and it ties in with everything that we've been thinking about, um, I hope. Um, I, wanted, I had this phrase this morning, seeking Jesus. And you'll be familiar with this scripture, but it says, Isaiah 55, just this amazing prophetic invitation of Isaiah, um, first of all to the children of Israel, but now to us and to all people everywhere by the power of what Christ did on the cross. This word became applicable to you and me. Um, right where you, I am standing and you are sitting today, this invitation is for you. And this is from the almighty God, the maker of heaven and earth. And he says this, he says, come. Come all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me and listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to God and he will have mercy on them. And to our God for he will freely pardon. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. I want you just to think about that for a moment. In um, the scriptures, often when this phrase, seek me, when God says, seek me, he's talking about searching diligently for me and regarding me as being more essential as food. When it says, seek the Lord, it says it in Amos 5 verse 4, so that you may live, he's saying, seek me in such because I am more important than food, because I am the bread of life that you need. You know, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We recently um, watched a program on the telly called Finding Michael. 
I don't know whether anyone's seen that documentary, but um, Finding Michael is a documentary about a chap called Spencer Matthews who took a team to Everest to search and recover the body of his brother, Matthew, sorry, Michael Matthews, who um, at the age of 22 um, managed to get to the, to, to the top of Everest, but on his way down, sadly, a snowstorm came and he was lost, never to be seen again. And at the time, uh, Spencer, his brother, was just 10 years old. And, you know, he got a team together and that team went to the, 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 the top place in Everest called the Death Zone, which is from down from the peak down to a, a few thousand metres. There's this place called the Death Zone where many people, because of the high altitude, because of the extreme weather conditions, don't make it either up to the summit or back down. And... He went on this trip to find his brother, Michael, and to bring him home. And, you know, we are seeing at the moment in front of our eyes incredible loss, incredible pain, and incredible suffering. And then sometimes that also plays into the loss that we have experienced and suffered in our own lives because there can't be any one of us that are sitting here today who have not known what it's like um, to suffer some kind of loss in our lives. And so somehow it feeds into that and somehow in all of that inside of us we're often searching for answers, aren't we? Like... Spencer was searching for his brother. He just wanted to find him so that he could bring him home and lay his body to rest. There was a, you know, an unrest inside of him, a, a lack of closure, so to speak. And sometimes when we suffer a loss ourselves personally or we see others suffering great loss, there's this searching, there's this questioning that goes round and round and round and round inside of us saying, God, Why? You know, God, I need to somehow make sense of this situation, of this loss, this sense of loss. And I know for myself, when I was much younger, probably the first sense of great loss that I saw in my life and in my family was when my eldest brother lost his first wife. Suddenly, without any warning, you know, she was beautiful. They were happy, recently married. And then just one morning, one day she was gone. And I remember for about a year afterwards, I just said, God, you know, you've got to tell me why. I don't understand. You know, we as a family follow God. You know, we, we serve you, we love you, we worship you, we go to church. We do our best to be good, although we not most of some of the time. Um, you know, not perfect. Catch my drift. But there's this sense of questioning. Sometimes that questioning leads to the point where we are overwhelmed. I, I this week, have felt overwhelmed. I'll just be honest with you. Sometimes I think, David, you shouldn't be feeling overwhelmed because you've got God. Because um, you know that God is greater. You know that his love never fails, never gives up, and 
You know, he's, he's with you. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. I know all of those things. I believe all of those things. I still felt overwhelmed. And I was reminded that Jesus also felt overwhelmed. Matthew 26, 38, 39, Garden of Gethsemane, he says, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Wow. Maybe it is okay for my heart to be overwhelmed with sorrow. Maybe it is okay not to have, quite frankly, the words that I want to have to articulate what I'm feeling because I can't actually express it. And yet you're meant to be able to express it, aren't you? Because you're a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ and you're always meant to have the words. You're always meant to be able to say the right thing in the right moment, especially if you're a church leader. I mean, that's a given, isn't it? But sometimes you don't have the words and I don't have the words. Jesus didn't have the words, but that was okay. I'll tell you why it was okay, because he said to God, his father, I am overwhelmed with sorrow. He wasn't just saying it to any random person. He was saying, God, I'm coming to you because I feel overwhelmed with sorrow. And that, my friends, is absolutely okay. And it's also absolutely okay to say this situation, this sorrow and this loss that I'm feeling, if it's possible for you to take that away from me, could you do that? Would you do that? Or you might be feeling that for someone else. It might not be you. It might be a member of your family, a work colleague, a friend. Would you take this away from them? I know that you can. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Sometimes things will happen in our lives, events, circumstances, situations. Sometimes the unimaginable and things that seem insurmountable and impossible and we just simply don't understand why. And sometimes this side of heaven, I don't believe that you will necessarily get an answer to the why. Maybe when we see him, we will understand more. And maybe in eternity, he will unfold his glorious manifold wisdom to us so we get a perspective on the things that we've had to endure on this earth. But we because of the fact that man said, actually, God, I don't want to obey you. I want to go my own way. I want to do my own thing. Opened up a situation where we fell outside of the goodness and the mercy of God. And we opened ourselves up to the opportunity for evil to come in. So, Revelation 5. I'd encourage you to go and read it, but John has this vision. I'm going to read it. Not all of it. This is important. There's an interesting revelation that John gets. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ and a revelation of things that are yet to come. Okay, so it's, 
John has a vision of the throne. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sits on the throne a scroll, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to take, to break the seals and open the scroll. But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. The revelation that John has here in a moment is the sorrow of imagining a world without a saviour. Do you understand that? I mean, I know that we talk about this is the revelation of Jesus. This is, you know, you know the, the, the bride of Christ, the, the rider on the white horse, the culmination of all things. But here is a revelation that I believe that God wants to bestow with a great kiss on his church. And it is the distress of the thought of knowing what it might be like if there wasn't a saviour. This is why John was in great distress and this is why he was permitted, I believe, to see this and have this revelation because he knew there was a saviour. He saw him die. He visually witnessed the death of Christ. He saw him when he was resurrected. He saw him perform miracles and walk the planet. But in this moment, he has this revelation of what it would be like if there was a world without a saviour. And it caused him sorrow and distress. And he was overwhelmed. He was broken at the thought. What if there is no one who is found worthy in heaven or earth or under the earth to take the scroll and to break open its seal? You know, sometimes I think we are distressed at the suffering that we see. I believe that God, and that is right, and we should be distressed and upset by the suffering that we see. But what if there was no hope? What if there wasn't a saviour? What if there wasn't a, a, a Jesus? At the end of this passage, we see, a, we see a lamb come, Jesus, between the throne. And we see that Jesus is the worthy lamb. And we see this glorious refrain to Jesus. It says, um, you're worthy to take the scroll to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God. Persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. You've made them a kingdom of priests to serve your God, and they will reign on the earth. So, thank the Lord. It's all good. But that invitation to seek the Lord is only open for a limited period. The invitation that we have to seek the Lord while he may be found is only open for a limited period. It ends either the moment that Jesus comes back, if you're still here on planet Earth, or the moment 
that you get to go and meet him. And it says that we all do, will do one day. And I don't believe that any of us can take tomorrow for granted. Those guys, you know, were having a normal life last Friday. And then everything changes in a moment. We think that we have forever, but we don't. Which is why Jesus prophetically calls to us today, seek me while I may be found. That should enable us to view our lives and the world around us with a different perspective. With a revelation that God's love is reaching out to every person on the planet that is living and alive and has breath in their body. Until the very last breath, he will be seeking and searching and longing for every single person to know the incredible love that we've been singing about this morning. My prayer at this point in time, this moment in time, is that when my heart is overwhelmed, that God will come and comfort me. When I don't have the words to say or pray, my silence, my groanings, my tongues, my inadequate words will be a sweet, sweet, beautiful thing. I know that your prayers matter to God or are heard by him. And the biggest lie that you could believe in this moment is that God doesn't hear me and my prayers are not powerful. The opposite is true. Your prayers are heard by God and your prayers are powerful. So please don't stop praying just because you feel overwhelmed. But pray to him that he would give you something that you can communicate to him, whether it's silence or groans or a simple, God, please help that that will move heaven and will move earth. So in this moment, it is a moment for us to pray as best we possibly can. And if we have words, to use them. And that goes not just for the places and the people that are far away from us, but for the places and the people that are close. Because you can't tell me that you don't know of a crisis that's within reach of you. And God cares about every single one of those things. So, seeking Jesus. If you seek him, he promises you will find him. You will find him. Amen? So, Let's seek him this week and not stop seeking him, even when stuff is tough. Amen. And on that note, we're going to finish today. And if you need prayer for any of your stuff, please ask for someone to pray with you. We would love to today or at another time, because sometimes you just need someone else to be with you. Okay? Bless you guys. Have an amazing week. And if you'd like to stay for tea and coffee, you are most, most welcome to do so. Okay. We'll be thinking of you guys. Yes. Lovely people. Smile. (laughs) 
I'm overwhelmed, not with sorrow, but overwhelmed with this church, this family. And I'm really grateful for each and every one of you. And I really want to give you a word of encouragement. I've been carrying for a few weeks, and I will keep it very, very brief. You are the light of the world. Why don't you just take your hand and put it where you think your heart is, where the the core of you is, and just say, I am the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be easily hidden. Hemel Hempstead Community Church, my brothers and sisters, my family, you are the light of Hemel Hempstead. In Philippians 2, Paul writes about the fact that we are like a canopy of stars and guiding lights. When he wrote that, they didn't have GPS. They'd rely upon stars for guidance and to find their way. And you live in a community and you live in a country that is lost. The very moral fabric of our societies have been eroded and destroyed. And people are desperate and people are looking for answers. And Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You, Julian. And it's not what you say, it's who you are. How you love one another. And I'm not talking about Valentine's Day love. I'm not talking about my love for coffee, my love for chocolate. I'm talking about pure, unadulterated, perfect love himself whom you carry, who wants to fill you and flow in you and flood from you as you go about your lives to touch the very society in which you live in and words are not necessary. I encourage you because I love you, every one of you. Right now I feel that love flowing from me which is his love for you. You are his light. Allow him to love you. Love one another and love each other really, really well. And be the light of the world. Because the world's looking for a guide and a light, which is Jesus. It's Jesus emanating in and through you. One of my favorite writers, don't say your joke, Brennan Manning said, Jesus is the effulgence of the Father's love. That means he radiates the Father's love. And who is in you? You carry him in an earthen container, Paul wrote, didn't he? Be the effulgence of the Father's love. Words not necessary. Allow him to fill you and flow you. And I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, thank you for this privilege to stand with these beautiful people, my brothers and sisters in you. And we have an inexplicable, mysterious union because we're all one with you. And your spirit is in us and fills us and flows through us. And I pray for each and every one of them as Penny and I leave them that they would learn to stand and to receive and to drink without money of you. And that Father God, you'd fill them so much that they would be a beautiful expression of you in this dark world, in this dark age, that they would radiate your love, that they'd radiate your light, that radiate your goodness. And through this amazing community of believers here in Hell's Hempstead, I pray for transformation in this community. 
I pray that they would be the shining light, the guiding light to guide people home to you. Because that's what you did, Jesus. And we're going to go and do likewise. So I bless each and every heart here to be invaded and flooded and drenched in you. Perfect love. Amen. Love you all. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope this has encouraged you. You can listen to our other Sunday morning teachings here or our In the Limelight series where we chat with ministries and organisations we're connected with to dive deeper and highlight the amazing work they do. Get connected. You can visit us over on our website www.hhcc.org.uk or find us on Facebook and Instagram at hhccorguk. Bye for now and we bless you as you walk into this new week.